every Monday to Friday. This is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Money Talk. Good morning. This is Peter Lewis welcoming you to my podcast, Money Talk, for Monday, the 20th of November. A big week. It's Thanksgiving on Thursday, so a holiday shortened week for US markets. And just a reminder, this podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, President Xi Jinping reiterated that China will stick to a path of peaceful development as he wrapped up his first visit to the US in six years. Speaking at the final meeting of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit in San Francisco, President Xi said countries should build an open, dynamic, strong and peaceful Asia-Pacific community and he called for an open and fair environment for technology developments. He reiterated his opposition to politicising or weaponising economic and trade issues and overstretching the concept of national security. A deal by Taiwan's two leading opposition candidates to join forces to unseat the ruling Democratic Progressive Party has run aground after just three days, with both camps saying they should head the ticket. A decision must be made before Friday's presidential election registration deadline. In a further sign of the strength of the U.S. economy, the rate of new home construction in the U.S. increased in October by more than expected, while single-family home construction increased from a year ago despite higher mortgage rates. Single-family housing starts are up 13.1% from a year ago. OpenAI co-founder Sam Altman has left the company after losing the confidence of the board, the group said in a statement on Friday. The shock departure of Mr. Altman puts in doubt talks with investors about selling shares at a valuation of 86 billion US dollars, which would make the San Francisco-based group behind the chat's GPT chatbot one of the world's most highly valued private companies. Meanwhile, OpenAI investors are pushing to bring Mr. Altman back as CEO, CEO just one day after he was ousted by the board. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Wong, Director of Alex KY Wong Asset Management, and John Schofield, Managing Director of Tempest Investments. Providing a view from mainland China will be Shanghai-based independence economist Andy Sher. And if you want to get in touch, please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. On Wall Street, U.S. stocks rallied for the third straight week as tame U.S. inflation data gave hope to investors that the Federal Reserve's tough stance on rate policy may be over. The S&P 500 added 0.1% to settle at 4,514. The Dow ended the day almost flat at 34,947. The Nasdaq Composite crept up by 0.1% to end the session at 14,125. The major averages each notched their third straight positive week. The S&P 500 added 2.2%, while the Nasdaq jumped 2.4%. The Dow closed the week with a 1.9% advance. Over the week, 10-year Treasury yields tumbled 21 basis points to 4.44%, and the two-year yields plunged 18 basis points to back below 5% at 4.89%. Oil prices almost completely reversed their massive sell-off from Thursday amid reports that Saudi Arabia is preparing to prolong oil production cuts into next year. The Brent contract for January jumped 4.1% to settle at $80.61 a barrel and Brent was down 1% for the week, its fourth straight weekly loss. Gold jumped over 2% higher last week, bouncing perfectly off its 200-day moving average. It ended the week at $1,980 an ounce. The US dollar index plunged 1.9% over the week and has given up almost all of its gains for 2023. 
The yen found particular strength, rising 0.8% to 149.62 yen per US dollar for a weekly gain of 1.2%, boosted by the big fall in US Treasury yields. The Chinese yuan firmed in onshore and offshore markets ahead of the one and five year loan prime rate decisions later today, with the rates expected to be left unchanged. In Shanghai, the yuan closed up 0.4% Friday at 7.2111 renminbi, and that represents a weekly gain of 1.1%. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite added 0.1% to end at 3,045. For the week, it was up half a percent, and Hong Kong stocks slumped dragged down by Alibaba's worst sell-off in more than a year after China's biggest technology company ditched plans to spin off its cloud business and also put on hold plans for an initial public offering of its Freshipo groceries business. Alibaba shares closed 10% lower in Hong Kong at $73.25 Hong Kong dollars. That's its lowest level since November 2022. And the Hang Seng Index sank 379 points. That's 2.1%, ending the day at 17,454 and trimming the gain over the week to 1.5%. Futures markets pointing to a, a rebound for the Hang Seng at the open this morning of about 135 points. That's 0.8%. Index should start around 17,590. You can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. Every Monday to Friday, this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk. Peter Lewis's Money Talk. At the beginning of Thanksgiving week, let's welcome our two guests we have with us in the studio. Alex Wong, director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. Morning, Alex. Hi, morning, Peter. And also with us is John Schofield, who is managing director at Tempus Investment. Morning to you, John. Yes, hello, Peter. Now, at the Apex Summit on Friday, the the final meeting, President Xi Jinping reiterated that China is going to stick to a path of peaceful development as he wrapped up his first visit to the US in six years. He said the fundamental goal of China's development is to improve the well-being of the Chinese people and not to replace anyone. And he also called uh, for countries to build an open, dynamic, strong and peaceful Asia-Pacific community. He called for an open and fair environment for technology development and he reiterated his opposition to politicising, weaponising economic and trade issues and overstretching the concept of national security. And also, in a meeting, he said he's going to make it easier for foreigners to do business in China. He said the nation will create a world-class business environment and improve mechanisms for protecting the rights of international investors. That was in a written speech published Thursday at the CEO Forum as part of the APEX Summit. Um, Alex, you've been saying for a while now one of the problems um, with investing in China is that investors have really lost confidence uh, that, first of all, they're welcome um, and that their rights are being protected. Do you think you've heard anything at all to, to change your mind? I think that they have addressed the issue, but uh, the point is uh, people need a long t- period of time to restore the confidence. And also, I think uh, recently we got the message from Alibaba that is quite negative because uh, Jack Ma actually is... Uh, uh, has planned to sell uh, uh, some of its holdings and then mm-hmm. in the background of uh, the current uh, economic situation and China actually is, is planning to inject trillions of dollars to rescue the economy and then you are talking about uh, a, a a pullback of uh, around uh, 800 million US dollars from a, from a private enterprise uh, founder mm-hmm. and he may know something I think people think mm-hmm. and then the current uh, uh, shopping festival become the uh, sales return festival in China, and I think people are quite 
uh, concerned about it. And the, and, and the transparency actually is quite low because they don't announce the sales growth. And of course, they would not announce the return rate as well. So mm. people just uh, uh, magnify the complaints of a certain supplier probably. So I think the sentiment actually is still quite bad. So it, it cannot be restored by just a single speech, I think. Mm -hmm. So we need uh, very concrete in evidence. And because if you want to invest in fixed asset, you are talking about an investment period of certain years. And then if the environment is not that clear, then you would not be uh, that brave to put down your investment mm -hmm. because you may not recover that investment in a short period of time. Mm. And it sounds like it's not just international investors that have lost confidence, it seems domestic ones have as well. Yeah, yeah of course the domestic one is uh, losing confidence as well. I think uh, after the past few years, people are concerned about um, their, their, their investment because uh, uh, they, they don't know if they grow the business to a certain size, then probably they would become too powerful and become a threat. So they probably are concerned about that kind of uh, uh, situation because we have seen examples. And then big names like Jack Ma are so concerned, so you probably would still be concerned. Mm. John, what, what are your thoughts? At the, at the end of all of this, there was, what, three days of meetings. There was that yeah. um, meeting also between President Biden and President yeah. Xi as well. Um, did you come away feeling better at the end of this summit than maybe you did before? Any of your concerns being allayed? Um, um, short answer, yes. I mean, I think, um, uh, as Alex pointed out, that, you know, there's a long way to go before we were going to actually see an inflection in, uh, in sentiment. And, you know, the direct, but the direction of travel has been... Uh, um, very negative on, on on both sides, and but what I've observed over the last three months, I think that both sides, I think, have, are doing or in the middle of a pivot to say, look, we, you know, we we from the American side, for example, they don't want to see uh, the complete implosion of the Chinese economy. Um, we still have a lot of, uh, you know, Americans still have a lot of huge amount of investment and interest in. In China, which is not going to, um, you know, is not going to disappear overnight. So they're they're, they're very concerned to. Um, as I, so, America Center. You know, we had a series of uh, in September, September in particular was probably the the turning point in the way the diplomats are handling the relationship. We we had a series of visits from American top American officials, Biden, Yellen, other the Commerce Secretary, and and so on. Um, which has laid the ground for this, um, uh, you know, visit by by um, Xi Jinping to 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 the U.S. Uh, and obviously, their ground was prepared, so well prepared. So, so we've seen these um, these nice and much nicer noises coming out. Um, we might also go back to the Beidaya uh, meeting in. Uh, can't remember what that is. Is that uh, August or sep September mm. when? Um, Xi Jinping was uh, reportedly taken aside by the, the party elders and told that he needs to change uh, change direction a bit. It's hard so, to know if that's true, isn't it, really? You yeah. never really know what goes on in Beijing. No, absolutely. I'm not cl claiming to be a sort of China watcher of that, <laughs> that sort of, with that kind of insight at, at all. But um, something something has clearly triggered a, a rebalancing in China's policy, hence all the, all the language about not over focusing on, on national security. The language has so been on. softer, hasn't it? Yeah. Noticeably softer out yeah, of Beijing. E extremely so. So, uh, and meanwhile, you know, there's obviously a realization in China they've got to address these uh, these structural issues in the economy, not least the the property uh, 
crisis and, uh, and, and, and so on. Mm. Well, if you look at the things that they agreed on, I mean, they talked about restarting military to military dialogue, combating fentanyl, which were the two big wishes, really, of, of President Biden. Yeah. And then there were some other things like increasing flights between the US and China, some pandas going back to the US. That seemed to be a big deal, yeah. didn't it? But there was nothing agreed at all on maybe the key things on trade and on the economy, all those restrictions, all those uh, all those tariffs are still going to remain in place. So yeah. um, when you come away from it, do you get, is there some disappointment over that? And also President Xi never really addressed when he had that dinner with those 300 CEOs. He never really made a case uh, for why they should go back into China, why they should mm. investigate that. I thought that was his big opportunity, um, but he didn't really do it. What, what do you think? You know, I think, uh, of course, uh, he will not uh, be too friendly because uh, we are, have the election coming mm. and, and he, is, he is probably facing uh, Donald Trump again. So uh, I think uh, he probably will still maintain some stance. And otherwise, uh, I think uh, he, he may be afraid to lose uh, some votes uh, on that ground. So I think uh, that's why he's quite conservative on this. And also, I think uh, uh, they probably will still stand firm on the um, chip Mm. Chip especially because uh, uh, that probably would be the key thing for mm. technical te- advance uh, in the in the coming years. So I think uh, they probably would still be very firm on that one. Mm. John, they, they, they mm. were the key things, mm. but I, I suppose you know we didn't really expect yeah. um, <coughs> those te- those tariffs <coughs> and those restrictions to be lifted. But nevertheless, oh. we come away from this summit with all those things that have been quite yeah. damaging to China still in place. Yes, I mean. Uh, um, so the, the the direction of travel, I think, is um, is the important one. But yes, it's far too early to talk about uh, relaxation on the on the chips uh, issue. Uh, in a sense, that um, you know, American policy has is working and seems to be working. Mm. Um, I think the the bigger concern is probably you know the disinvestment. If they manage to, as, as we see, you know, billions and billions of being pulled out of uh, Chinese stocks by uh, by overseas bis- um, investors, um, <clears throat> obviously a lot of opportunistic uh, hedge fund and, and the like will be looking for an opportunity to, uh, you know, looking for the inflection point, the opportunity to buy in at the, some, you know, great businesses at, at bargain bargain prices, but uh, well, we haven't reached that point yet. Mm. Um, but the direction of travel is beginning to move. That's uh, a very good point about the, you've got to remember the election. Um, Xi Jinping doesn't have that sort of issue in the background, but it, but um, uh, Biden clearly does and how it's going to play out next year. <clears throat> now, we had um, some economic data, well, quite a lot of economic data out last week. Alex, did you see any sign of improvement in that? Retail sales up 7.6% year on year. That was accelerated from 5.5% the previous month. Uh, industrial production rose the most in six months. It was up 4.6% year on year. Any, uh, do you feel more optimistic with the, this latest data that at least maybe you know the, the, the Chinese economy seems to have stabilised? I think uh, the market actually telling us that uh, they are not uh, that optimistic <laughs> because uh, Probably we are affected by the upcoming uh, the, 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 the shop, shopping festival. 
So we are actually approaching the because in October you are approaching the shopping festival. So probably those are people are already having discounts on items. Right. So so that's why I think we are seeing some kind of boost. And then this year I don't think people would treat that very seriously because in China actually many people bought three hundred dollars items on online and then they return probably two hundred just to get some discounts. Both discount on 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 the on the shipping and also on the on the price. So I think that's why this is a bit distorting, and people don't know the real situation. So if you look at the share price of those retailers and also e-commerce player, actually, uh, uh, they are. Quite bad. JD.com and, and and the likes. JD actually stabilized a bit. Uh, Alibaba has its own issues, but uh, you, if you look at leaning and uh, those kind of sports mm-hmm. sports player and also the beers uh, 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 companies, actually they are all trading lower gradually. So I right. think uh, there's a quite concern about the market. Yeah. John, what are your thoughts, having seen that yeah. economic data? Do you, do you have any reason to be more optimistic, or at least cautiously optimistic, that perhaps things have stabilised or, or not? Um, maybe the rate of descent has slowed or something. <laughs> I think those figures are on a low... Uh, a low They're coming from a low base. Yeah. Low base compared with last year, still in, in COVID lockdown, etc. Um, so that's one, one factor. And yes, I hear that, you know, anecdotally, mm-hmm. that people are not buying... You know the luxury goods, especially. Um, it's not good for the French uh, uh, exporters either. Um, they're not buying the luxury goods, but are tra- you know trading further down, looking for looking for good uh, value. Mm-hmm. The money they are spending. So yes, I mean it's still part. The stock market, as I pointed out, is just still gradually sort of drifting lower. There's no big panic anymore. But it's just, um, you know, just draining away. It's a mm. well, I'm going to get on to that in a moment. Old-fashioned old bear market. Let me just, um, just one other thing to ask about. In, the, in this data, what we saw once again, we've seen it several months in a row now, that even mm. if retail sales, industrial production, not too bad, anything related to property, mm. not good. Investment in real estate down 9.3%. New home prices in uh, China's 70 major cities fallen the most in eight years. Doesn't seem, mm. Alex, to be getting any better, does it, on the, on the real estate side? On the real estate side, Will take years to recover or, or stabilize because uh, everybody knows that uh, there are plenty of supply, and people probably worry about the uh, completion of certain projects. And also, I think uh, uh, we are still seeing um, the problems at uh, Evergrande and Country Gardens uh, to to worsen because uh, they they probably will still face a deteriorating cash flows and the, and the debt remains there. They have no restructuring at all. So I think uh, people. Uh, knowing uh, the problems uh, are still in place, so they would probably defer their, 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 their purchase of property because you know that there's no rush to buy a property in China right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the price is coming down and there's no way the price would suddenly go up a lot. So you can always uh, delay your purchase decision. So that's why the problem would remain there for quite some time. And also, mm-hmm. I think people know about the... Um, the, the demographic situation as well. So I think uh, they mm. probably are very worried about the long-term structural problem. So I think uh, that's why the real estate uh, pop- probably will still be bad for, for certain years. Do you think this plan to provide a trillion yuan in low-cost financing to help 
basically the poor in rural areas buy houses, be able to afford houses? Is that going to make a difference? That probably will help a little bit, but I don't think it will solve the problem mm. because uh, uh, trillion actually is not that much in the in 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 the, in the Chinese property market. So uh, it will help a little bit because probably some people will still want to buy a buy a buy a flat, uh, so they could have long term security. But I don't think uh, that will have a lot because uh, many people I think uh, will still delay their, their buying position, their decision. Uh, when they see some recovery in price, I think probably they would just they would they would go to buy. But I think in the meantime, they know that prices are just sideways or going down. So I so I think uh, the the buying power actually will still be bad. Yes, I'm not sure if that scheme is is targeted at new build or just simply helping clear the, you know, clear the clear the backlog of un, un, unsold properties or unfinished properties. Um, so I mean, two two things we've seen certain measures around around the margin, but um, grasping the really big um, big issues like uh, Evergrande and, and, and Country Garden, we've yet to see really how that's going to. How, how that's going to play out, and getting uh, what I also want to see is, you know, more reporting on the uh, rate of completion of all these, uh, you know, half finished, half finished. How how the, how cash is going to be um, put in the system to enable um, the developers to 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 finish the project, let alone starting new ones. You know. Mm. Um, so uh, investment down nine percent. Um, yeah, nine point three percent. it's getting yes. worse, isn't it? Not yes. actually improving. Um, it's getting worse. Yes. Um, well, again, it depends on the if investment means new, um, new, new, new developments. Then, then obviously we're not going to we're not going to see see much of mm. that. But mm. um, if it means if it means finishing these uh, un, unfinished, you know, all these em- empty empty blocks of flats and then getting them sold on the market and finding a clearing price for selling them um, that's an, that's another that's another matter mm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me turn our attention to the markets. Um, Alex, we'll start in the U.S. Um, first of all. The U.S. stocks are now up uh, for the third straight week. The S&P added 2.2% last week. The Nasdaq jumped 2.4%. The Russell 2000, the small cap mm-hmm. index, was the big winner on the week, up 5.4% over the five trading days. Now, the S&P 500 is now up 400 points over 9%, almost 9.5% in just 15 trading days since it hit a low three weeks ago. The Nasdaq in that time is now up 12% and just 9% away from a new all-time high. According to Bank of America, technology stocks are now at an all-time high relative to the S&P 500. The tech to S&P 500 ratio is now 15% higher than the 2000 peak, and they say it's also 20% higher than the 1960s bull market peaks. Are we, Alex, entering sort of now danger territory here with the way these these tech stocks are going? Of course, I think uh, in terms of valuation, that would be dangerous. But uh, but uh, the point is that people are looking beyond the next cycle. I think they are looking at the next next cycle. So the next cycle probably is recession. But the next next cycle probably would be the tech dominance because of AI. Hmm. So I think hmm. uh, that's why people are uh, not bullish on Russell 2000, but they are very bullish on Nasdaq. Uh, because they are looking uh, at the next next cycle, but because you are trading for the next next cycle, then probably this is quite dangerous for us to play because uh, <laughs> there will always be some correction, yeah. maybe a huge correction. Because if people just turning back their focus on the next cycle, then you will come a, a, a 
uh, huge correction. So especially the, the valuation actually may not be justified by the current numbers. So I think uh, this is the, the, the nature of the US market right now. Uh, momentum on tech would be strong, but momentum on traditional company probably may be maybe much weaker. And and for smaller companies, actually, they probably just for a technical rebound right now, and they would not have too much upside, and, and the downside risk remains because, I, as I've said, the next cycle would be recession. So, and people don't know whether they can save for the next cycle to, 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 to remain in the next next cycle. So I think uh, mm. that's the current current stock picking <laughs> background in, in, in the US right now. Mm. Yeah. Does this um, shock firing of Sam Altman from um, OpenAI I know, obviously, OpenAI is not a listed company. It's a it's a private company, but nevertheless, it was a big shock, wasn't it? And is is that does that have an impact on AI companies um, overall? Uh, I think it, uh, it would point out the uh, risk of personnel. Of course, uh, there's a, a, a new angle to look at these kind of companies. But if you look at the futures market right now, it is not uh, reacting too much. And of course, tonight tonight would be the key to watch because uh, in Asian times, property turnover is not that big and people are not are not too um, concerned about this. But I think mm. uh, tonight will be, will, will be the real test. Uh, probably we would see some kind of uh, correction or on, on, on those companies. But I think people would turn their focus on more on software company apart from uh, Microsoft uh, because right now the infrastructure building space of AI probably is uh, fully priced in already. I mean mm. the semi-techs, uh, semiconductors uh, companies. But so people probably look at the uh, potential dominant payer in the software base uh, in the next round. So I think uh, probably uh, this correction may be a time to accumulate some uh, some software names, I think. Okay, John, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, yeah. valuations um, in some areas really stretched, aren't they? Yeah. Well, there's an element of, uh, of um, seasonality in, in all this. You know, we're, we're coming up to a year-end, uh, uh, you know, the, the traditional year-end year rally, really, after a, after a pretty, pretty poor summer and so on. So, um, but, uh, yeah, the breadth of the... Um, of the Rally is is still pretty narrow. I mean, you've got a lot of reversion to mean and amongst the, you know, the value stocks, the old economy stocks, and so on. And um, but yet again, it, it's um, has it been for the last two years really? The um, the, the Nasdaq names, the tech names um, are are leading the way. Um, Yes, I also agree that that's that's the long term. I I would refer to the the secular trend rather than the next next cycle, <laughs> but, uh, but it's the same thing. Um, the secular trend clearly in fa uh, uh, favors uh, favors the, the technology stocks, whereas you know the outlook for whatever you know oil and gas and all these sort of things and banking banks and so on is is not uh, not so not so exciting. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you also about the Hong Kong market. I mean, obviously, you mentioned Alibaba earlier, Alex. I mean, that was the big story of the day, wasn't it? And not just uh, the fact that uh, the IPO for Freshipo is going to be put on hold. Also, it's ditched its plans to spin off its cloud business. But as you mentioned, this news that uh, Jack Ma's family trust is going to sell about $840 million worth of shares. I mean, Alibaba closed 10% lower, dragged the Hang Seng down um, with it and the tech index. Um, is, is this over or are we going to see more repercussions from this? I think uh, the the first selling actually is over. So we probably may see some stabilization around the current level for the Hang Seng Index. But I think uh, it would 
not have too much momentum to rebound. Uh, because I think uh, in Alibaba announcement, there are several points. Uh, first of all, uh, there's no coordinated agenda among the players in China. So in, in China right now, you are in a crisis. So probably the interest should be common to, to, to boost the sentiment for investors. So Jack Ma action actually is quite damaging. I mm. think uh, mm. people, people, people are quite thinking that uh, he may know something about the, 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 the situation. So, uh, and he is going for only 800 million. And China actually is, a, uh, is giving trillions to support the market. So we are talking about a small sum to damage the, 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 the confidence. That's not worth it, actually. So, and then, um, and then he admit the, 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 the power of sanctions by, by, by US on the chip side. So because uh, he delayed the cow business uh, uh, spin-off because of that reason. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then also, um, just in March, they announced the restructuring plan in, in Alibaba. So people get feeling uh, very positive on the, uh, at that time. And then just eight months later, and, and then he admit uh, that uh, the, the situation is really tough. But the US sanction actually has remained there for, or since, since March. So, so he is not that, um, the, the company is not that um, cautious in announcing uh, positive things, I think. Mm. So I think uh, that is hurting the confidence in, in, in investor. So I, that's why I think Alibaba actually, the, the, the case in Alibaba actually is quite damaging because of certain uh, these, these factors. Mm. You have the um, uh, US chip, chip sanctions and you have the uh, uh, rushed uh, announcement of that kind of a bullish uh, projections in March and then you just uh, uh, go back. And then also uh, the, 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 the lack of understanding of the current situation. And then you, you also make people think about the, 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 the business model of e-commerce in China right now or, or, or the whole consumption sector. So I think that's why uh, it is fairly negative. Mm. John, mm. Alibaba has never really recovered, has it, from this um, top mm. investigation in Beijing that, that really you know, basically ordered the company to split up? Um. No, in, no, indeed. Uh, without, but I mean, just to go, go back to the the index. I mean, it's it's um, the Hang Seng. I don't think there is any, a single stock um, which is in, you know, even not in a downtrend. Um, mm. You can even if you look at something like BYD, which is probably you know the one brightest uh, spot in the Chinese econ- economy. It's it's um, barely sort of you know crawling along. Um, and, and, and so on. So it's. Um, I mean, we're so used to, um, you know, used to over, over the past decades. Really, we're used to having crashes, but then you know, ra- ra- um, rapid rebounds and, and recovery, and then off to the races again. Um, in many Asian markets, actually, but um, particularly here, uh, this time is different. Unfortunately, it's a, it's a long term. You know, it's a classic bear market, perhaps not dissimilar to the ones seen in in the U.S. and mm-hmm. elsewhere in the, in the 1930s. You know, you've got more of a, um, you know, a long-term, I won't use the word depression, but, a, you know, a long, flat, very flat economy. Um, and so we just see the, the market not panicking, not crashing, but, you know, every day, investors drift away um it's a painful slow decline isn't it that's right yes 
Okay. Well, look, great to hear your thoughts. Thank you both for coming in this morning. That's John Schofield, who's Managing Director at Tempest Investment. Alex Wong, who is Director of Alex K.Y. Wong Asset Management. I'm joined now by Andy Sher, who is a Shanghai-based independent economist. Morning, Andy. Good morning, Peter. I wanted to get your thoughts from a China perspective about the outcome um, of the APEC meeting. One of the things that President Biden said before uh, the the summits was that he wanted to help China's economy. It was in everyone's interests if China's economy did well, people had good paying jobs. Did, Did we see anything come out of this summit that maybe did some positive things for China's economy? Well, I, I, I doubt it. I think that the main, main point was to reduce tension. And, uh, and the, uh, the U.S. is interested in, uh, in having a, a better relationship now because it's, it's, it has its hands full with the two wars going on. So it really doesn't want any surprise from China. Mm. So that's why it's interesting having a more stable relationship. I think that Beijing is also... It's just that uh, uh, this uh, war talk is not very good for the economy. And most people in China actually uh, uh, were expecting some sort of conflict. Mm. So uh, I, I think that the issue is that uh, I don't believe a real conflict really is going to happen anytime soon. But why would you want to have this kind of expectation in the population. So I think that this, uh, this summit really helps. Mm. And I, I presume that just like President Biden doesn't want problems with China at the moment, likewise, President Xi doesn't want problems with the US, does he? Because he's got a, a very difficult economy at the moment. He's got a lot of problems to deal with, particularly in the property uh, sector, trying to boost demand and consumers' confidence. The last thing he needs is a conflict with the USA. Yeah, I think the main thing I think is uh, it's not, in China. It's uh, the economy is important, but it's not that important in the sense that the government has control. It's not like people are going to be uh, go on the street and demanding something. Mm. So I think the the key issue is uh, this wolf warrior, uh, warrior diplomacy. Uh, and what what what's the point, right? Mm. It's it's you you create this uh, this. Uh, this expectation among the population that something is going to happen, but actually it's not. Ha- it's not happening. Mm. That, that's, the, that's the issue. Is that the, 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 uh, the Beijing has no plan to do anything real. Mm. So why do you want to create that kind of expectation? So you don't think there's going to be any uh, move on Taiwan or anything like that in the in the near future? No, I, I, I doubt it. I think that uh, you know, uh, China is, is, likes to talk, but uh, when it comes to the real thing, uh, it's it's usually it's really really conservative. Mm. Historically, China is always too late to a fight. So <laughs> it's, it's China has never uh, kind of started a fight uh, like early, trying to uh, seize initiative. So you look at it, if you really want to find this now, is the time because the U.S. has run out of ammo, right? Mm, so mm. Uh, so if you don't want to fight when the other side doesn't have ammo, so when, when are you going to fight? Mm. But um, do, do you get the feeling that that wolf warrior diplomacy is being toned down now because the statements that are coming out of Beijing towards the U.S. and also to other countries as well, like Australia, like yeah, Japan, yeah. seem to be far more conciliatory yeah. these days? Yeah, the issue is still, what's the point? Mm-hmm. What's the point? 
right? <laughs> the countries that really fight usually they don't talk much. They 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 just uh, just uh, go to uh, they, they just uh, fight, right? Mm. But the the thing that I suppose I don't know if it's disappointing or not because it wasn't totally unexpected. But nevertheless, the U.S. has kept all its tariffs intact on a range of uh, Chinese goods. Uh, the uh, the restrictions on export export control restrictions on selling certain types of semiconductors, chip making equipment that all remains in place, which is um, I, I presume something that President Xi wanted to re- wanted removed, but probably knew himself that wasn't going to happen. That's right. The U.S. didn't give up anything, and and it will do more. Hey, you look at this uh, EV, twenty-five percent tariff for now. It's not sufficient to stop Chinese cars from uh, going to the U.S. So they they, they will do more. I I think the issue is that uh, the uh, the uh, the this rivalry is here to stay. This rivalry is here to stay, and 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 I think the Chinese companies are doing okay. They've been able to overcome some of the uh, the uh, the uh, the blockade, doing stuff on on their own, like uh, the chip in the ch- uh, the, uh, the chips that are, uh, that yeah. are coming now. So I think that the uh, uh, Chinese uh, uh, competitiveness is uh, is rising, and that is uh, very promising. Did you see any sign in that speech where um, he uh, addressed three hundred business executives, leaders of some big American companies? Did you see any sign that he persuaded them to look at investing again in China? Because quite a few of them have reduced investments, maybe not pulled out altogether, but they're not um, they're repatriating their profits. Uh, people have certainly been pulling their money out of the stock market. Did he say anything at all that maybe helped soothe investors' concerns? Uh, I really doubt it. I, I, th- I think that the, uh, the U.S. business is... Uh, uh, right now, they're still very dependent on the market uh, and uh, for for most big companies, for lots of big companies. So they're worried about it being uh, pushed out, mm. and uh, and uh, they, so they're not not uh, looking forward to adding more. They, I, I really doubt it. But on the other side is that the Chinese companies are rising, and they are they are really competing hard. And I think that uh, for global companies in China. Uh, will come uh, increase come under more and more pressure. So uh, the this uh, uh, this outsized presence of a multinational company in China mm. uh, is not sustainable. It's not the same like uh, you go to Japan, you go to Germany. Foreign companies don't dominate like in China. Mm. Mm. So so the Chinese situation is not normal, and and Chinese companies are rising, and uh, and this is their home market. They have an advantage. I think that. Uh, 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 multinational companies uh, 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 under pressure. Mm. I mean, in certain sectors, it certainly looks like Chinese companies are doing very well, doesn't it? Like, uh, as you mentioned, the electric vehicle um, sector, where you know they're benefiting from cutthroat competition in the mainland, and then they can, you know, they can compete overseas. But other companies, you know, we had that news about Alibaba on uh, on Friday, and particularly Jack Ma selling shares now in his company. That seems to be rather negative, doesn't it? And sort of give the opposite uh, impression about some of the damage that's been done to some of these big companies. Well, it's, it's uh, Alibaba is under a lot of uh, competition also. Uh, there, 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 there are a lot of companies coming. Uh, no, it's, uh, I think Alibaba is no longer a monopoly. Mm. And uh, the uh, uh, then you 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 look at uh, other sectors. Even you look at a, like a like a coffee. You know, if Starbucks is being uh, dominant 
And I just stop. That's just uh, uh, no competition. It's not normal. Now yeah. a lot of competitors, the uh, uh, Chinese startups. So I think that, that it's, it's obviously uh, Starbucks is gonna, not going to have a, uh, an easy time in China. Mm. So there are tons of consumer sector companies like that. Now, what did you make of the economic data that we saw uh, last week? First of all, the activity data, retail sales, uh, accelerated to 7.6% uh, year-on-year. Industrial production rose the most in six months. What, what are your thoughts about the economy um, post that data? Well, uh, the the, uh, the good news is that it appears that the export uh, uh, trend is has stabilized. And uh, there was uh, this, uh, this uh, inf- inventory problem uh, and and so uh, export really got hit for 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 quite a few months. Now it appears that uh, this uh, the inventory has been digested and the demand is coming back. But how sustainable this story is, it's still too early to t- tell. The U.S. economy is holding up, but if the U.S. bond market uh, falls apart, then obviously there's going to be another huge shock. So we 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 don't know when when that is going to come. But in terms of a domestic story. We have uh, this uh, recovery in, uh, in domestic tourism. That, that is very important. It's adding two percentage points to GDP uh, growth rate. Uh, but it's a one-time uh, rebound. Uh, okay, so uh, and in terms of the consumption, otherwise, I think Chinese people are becoming much more cautious than before. So do not expect Chinese consumption right, to, to suddenly uh, take off. It's it's just not going to happen. If you see a good data in a month for a month, it's just a month. It's not going. It's not a trend. So the the Chinese consumer isn't really more confident, despite that improvements in the retail sales numbers. You you still think that the, the consumer is very cautious at the moment. Yeah, I think that the issue is that uh, uh, Chinese Chinese households are much more interested in paying down debts. Not really uh, uh, leveraging up. If if they if they are paying if they are, if they are deleveraging, uh, you 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 cannot expect the consumption to be very good. Mm. And what what about the housing data there? That was really uh, the disappointing thing, wasn't it? Investment in real estate falling even further, uh, down nine point three uh, percent. If you look at uh, the ho- home prices, new home prices uh, dropped the most in, uh, in 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 eight years. It's not looking good on the the housing sector, is it? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the property uh, adjustment is going to take many years. It's because uh, it's uh, the uh, the the adjustment is a re- uh, needed adjustment is really big. You know, the uh, the uh, the property sector in terms of a physical quantity needs to shrink by fifty percent uh, to stabilize. Mm. And there, there's going to be a big reduction in in price. So uh, combined, the sector is going to become much, much smaller than than before. And the the, the process takes many years. Uh, at least five could could be longer. In the meantime, what's going to happen to the developers? Because China seems to be making it clear it's not going to help them. The funds that it's putting in, like this one trillion yuan, uh, which which is going to sort of really to help people uh, buy affordable housing, but it's not helping the developers at all, is it? No, they 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 are bust. Mm. They, they, they were Ponzi schemes to begin with. And, uh, the people, people in the property sector, in the in the shadow banking system, were mostly Ponzi schemes. They, they they were with there for a ride. 
now, now the ride is over, right? And they, 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 they basically have this Chinese style of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, kind of a, uh, uh, bankruptcy. Basically, uh, they, they're still there, but mm-hmm. they don't service, uh, they, they don't pay debts. They're just doing stuff that the government tells them to. You have, you must finish this building. You must finish that building. And so that, that is a kind of a Chinese way of handling this. Mm. I mean, the thing in that housing data, what what I thought was like quite concerning is it seems like the slide is now moving towards tier one cities. The the property prices there down 0.35% uh, in tier one cities, whereas they were almost flat a month earlier. Is that something we should be concerned about and watching now what, what happens in the tier one cities, which have held up reasonably well up until now? Yeah, it, it, no. Yeah, housing uh, uh, property adjustment is like that from small cities to uh, to big cities, then in the big cities from the suburbs to to the to the central area. No, yeah, tier one city in tier one city, the, the property price has uh, the average property price has reached uh, over like six months of salary. Uh, uh, so uh, it, that is just not sustainable. And it, when it's too, it's a bubble already. So, so, and uh, you look at the Seoul in 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 South Korea, it reaches three, and then it began to tumble. So, uh, so China is way out there. So the adjustment is going to has has a way to go. And people kind of uh, don't believe that uh, uh, how far it will go when when the process starts. But it's very hard to imagine. You look at it, what happened in 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 Hong Kong between ninety seven two thousand three. Over six years, the property price came down by seventy-five percent. In the uh, in Japan, from uh, nineteen ninety-two to uh, uh, over the ten years, uh, twenty years, uh, the, it took twenty years to bottom. The property price went, came down by eighty to ninety percent. Mm. So, so I think people don't uh, do not uh, usually cannot imagine that that's how property sector adjusts. Wow, historically, it's like that. And then you think that could happen in China um, as well, even even with all the price controls in place, because the government sort of you know doesn't really allow us to find out what is the real clearing price for them for houses. Yes, that's right. Well, China obviously it's going to take a long time because people don't believe, and so that's why they don't want to sell. They think of the price, they, they they think they are cutting price and they are losing money, but, but so so they don't sell. In Hong Kong, it's the same. The volume is very low. So uh, you you need to have uh, some kind of forced sale, like uh, like uh, like uh, when you don't uh, when you don't pay that, uh, you don't serve your mortgage, and the banks take uh, take over your property. You know, it's happening to some extent in Hong Kong, but in China, even when banks take over these properties, they don't sell because they 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 are in the, uh, the, under the pressure from the government not to sell. If you do that, you trigger you trigger some kind of a panic right so uh, so uh, there, there are millions of uh, rep- uh, repossessed properties in china it's not clear that the banks are, are liquidating uh, 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 in a timely manner mm. and it's always fascinating talking with you thank you very much indeed for your time this morning that's shanghai-based independent economist andy Sher. you're listening to peter lewis's money talk money talk And thank you for listening to Money Talk this morning. You can find more details about some of the topics I've been talking about today, along with information on other headlines and market moves in my daily newsletter. Take a look at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. I'll be back with another show tomorrow. Joining me then will be Asian fund management industry consultant Stuart Aldcroft, Richard Harris, chief executive officer at Port Shelter Investment Management, and our US economics correspondent, writer and broadcaster Barry Woods. See you tomorrow. 
Money Talk.